Kayla, and this is What's Her Fantasy, a podcast all about fan... Nope, that's not what it is. That's not what we are. Hi, I'm Kayla, and this is What's Her Fantasy, a laissez-faire literary podcast all about fantasy books. I'm talking about twists. I'm talking about tropes. I'm talking about the time that I spoil half the books I read for myself because I can't stand not looking things up on the internet. It's all going to be here. It's all going to be now. I'm also going to work on that intro so that it doesn't scare people away the next time. It's laissez-faire because it's not going to be that deep. It might not even be in chronological order, and I certainly will not be pronouncing names, locations, and uh, creatures correctly. And I feel like there's a group of people who will appreciate this. I have always been a reader, but I feel like this past year I just jumped like not even jumped in, but like stripped naked and jumped fully into the fantasy realm that has been making the rounds. Uh, And I have never been happier. I have never had more joy in my life than when I'm like three books deep in a series. I've fallen in love with three different people. I feel like I have a new set of friends or an inner circle. Uh, it's become my whole personality. And because of that, I feel like I've, I've scared the shit out of everyone in my life because this has been like a very much about face in terms of how I acted prior and the things that I used to do and what I like to talk about. And it's been a really big shift for people and myself included. I mean, it scared me. I, I went back to therapy. I was like, what is going on? Why am I addicted to books? And my therapist uh, patted me on the back and she said, why did you bring a book with you to this session? And I said, well, there were six minutes before the session started so I and and I and I needed to find out what happened to X, Y, and Z character and then I proceeded to spoil the entire series for her um so with that in mind uh maybe I'll give the spoiler rules of this podcast uh at the forefront so each uh week I'm going to be talking about a particular book um I refuse to spoil anything but that particular book uh for the four hundred of you who are listening um speak things into existence right uh but what I will say is I will touch upon books that I've already covered so for instance in this podcast today I will only be talking about this one book but in the next one even if it's not a sequential you know next book in this series um I will I could potentially talk about this one or let's say we read this whole series and then I move on to a new one I might reference back to this there are three exceptions to this the three exceptions are I will probably reference Harry Potter I will probably reference Twilight and I will probably reference um the Hunger Games I feel like uh those have have been spoiled for the masses if you didn't already know that Jacob is a werewolf you know now sorry about that and the reason why those can be brought up at different points in time are simply just a reference point uh those are books I read growing up and into um you know throughout young adulthood and into my adult life and those are I think some of the things that will compare from a romance perspective or from a magic perspective or fantasy perspective even though those are you know YA reads and this podcast will skew more adult but we can still compare to some of the plot points and you know that one kiss in that one book, no, Fade to Black, Bella and Edward, um, I feel like those, you know, there's like there's a natural desire to compare some of the newer fantasy works to some of those fantasy stories of uh, our youth. Today, we're gonna get into From Blood and Ash, which is the first book in a series by Jennifer L. Armentrout. 
Um, the book's about 480 pages. I have it in hardback. Uh, and it is, it is a full-blown adult book. It doesn't creep on any, any YA list. And if it did, I'd gasp. I would lose it. Um, no, it's fully adult. Uh, it's the first in a series of books. I think it's going to be six. There are four that are, that are, printed and out and available for for purchase um not sponsored by anyone uh never even uh done a podcast before so but if I could be sponsored by anyone honestly I would I feel like a good fit for this podcast would be Outback Steakhouse because it's like no rules just right there are no rules to this I'm not gonna like I said I'm not gonna be going very deep I'm probably not gonna be very accurate but what it will be is I feel like talking to one of your friends about a book that you both just read like we're gonna jump around a lot I'm just going to yell out characters' names that I thought were impressive or attractive or I hated. Um, And then, you know, we'll talk about some of the tropes and we'll talk about some of um, the levels of spice and what it was, you know, what was brought in from a, from a, you know, literary plot device standpoint. I don't even know what that means. I don't know where that came from. I feel like some God just bestowed that sentence upon me all that to say um this book was a ringer I went into it not knowing much but knowing everything and I know that that sounds a little confusing but let me explain so uh I started to read this series after coming off of a really intense uh Sarah J Mass binge of Akatar. A Court of Thorns and Roses um, series, Crescent City, books one and two, and then all eight books of Throne of Glass. And I was feeling pretty low. And it was recommended to me to read the From From Blood and Ash series. Uh, and so I started it. And it was a little hard to get into because obviously I had fallen in love with countless characters from the previous book's that I was reading and I was sad that that was over so I decided um, that I needed a little push to get me fully in you know I had read the first few pages of this book and the very last sentence of the first chapter of this book sucked me in I remember I don't know if it's dopamine or serotonin or oxytocin I don't know what brain chemical I felt it trickle out when I read this sentence at the end of the first chapter, which the sentence is, this is probably like the only time I'll ever read directly from a book because I also don't excel at reading aloud. An arm curled around my waist, pulling me back against a very hard male body. This, a deep voice whispered, is unexpected. Come on. Like, that's a good, I was like, oh, dang. Um, so I was interested. But, you know, I still needed a little bit more of a push, I guess. I just sold that on being so interesting. And then I got off there and I was like, well, uh, actually, I need more. So the only things that I had heard about this book at all were uh, that there was a hottie named Hawk and a hottie named Castile. That's all I knew. And I had just come off of reading um, Throne of Glass, which has 
and Akatar and all of those books, which has multiple characters, right? There are multiple people, there's inner circles, there's all types of different characters. That is not a spoiler for any of the Sarah J. Mass books. It's just a fact. So um, it would be a really boring book if there were no other characters. Just like this is probably going to be a really boring podcast because there's no other characters. It's just me. But I promise it's not going to be that long. It's only going to be like 15 minutes. And should you desire to participate in this podcast with me, nothing would make me happier. Please send me an email. What's her fantasy podcast at gmail.com. Let's get on this together. Let's talk about it all. I want someone here to talk with me besides my dog who is witnessed 3 a.m. screaming at the end of all of these books. She's witnessed. I actually threw a book, not at her. She thought I was throwing it at her. I didn't throw it at her. I threw it on the near opposite side of the room, but she was so offended that this was happening at three in the morning that she took it personally. And honestly, I was so offended by how that book ended. I took it personally too. All that to say, um, I decided to look up who this hawk person is. Single character fan art. And I chose single character because sometimes when you look up fan art, you'll see like a relationship a little bit spoiled because it'll show two characters together. So I said, I'm going to look up single character fan arts. So I look up hawk and I saw a picture of him and I was like, dang, okay, this guy is hot. So I'm like, okay, this is actually, it helped. Whatever that chemical was that dripped, more of it dripped. And then I was like, okay, well, let me look up this other dude named Castile. I'm pausing for dramatic effect. It is the same person. All of you who have read this, it is the same person. It was the worst spoiler. And then I thought to myself, great, I'm trying to dig my way out of a 15 book hangover. And now I feel like I've spoiled this book for myself. And this is probably like the big twist, the big thing that you read this for. I was so dead wrong. People encouraged me to keep reading it. I kept reading it. I'm so glad I did because this, I don't even want to call it enemies to lovers. This is an enemies to even bigger enemies story. This story is the only one I would say in the last like four or five months that kept me up till two in the morning reading because this slow burn was so slowly burning. It was burning so slowly. (laughs) This slow burn was so slowly burning that it was eating me alive. I'm going to describe this book in three words, and I haven't even thought of those three words yet, but I'm going to think of them right now. Okay, they're going to be on the fly. The first word is chaotic. It's chaotic. You think you know what's going on, and then 30 seconds later, you're just, you're hit with like a whole different wealth of information. Um, And I think that's okay. Some people might say like, oh, that's, Poor writing or, oh, that's just the, you know, they needed to drop in more information. I felt like it was fun. I felt like I never knew what to expect for what was coming. The second word that I would use to describe this is betrayal. Honestly, I felt so, I personally am not in this book, but I personally felt betrayed by Hawk slash Castile at the end of this book. The third word that I would use to describe this tale is honeydew. (laughs) No, I would say um, the third word that I would use to describe this book is charged. It's it's sexually charged from 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 the first (laughs) from that first sentence. I'm sweating just thinking about it. It is rapidly it rapidly charges it rapidly and slowly charges all at the same time 
So basically, uh, I'm going to I'm going to fail at this, but I do not care. Um, I, basically, the book is about a, a maiden. Her name is Penelope. She has um, lived her whole life in a kingdom called Solus. And with the knowledge that she has been chosen by the gods upon her, I think it's like her 19th birthday, upon her ascension is what it's called, to be given to the gods. Um, I can't remember why, but she's supposed to be given to them. And before that, she is basically held in um, a portion of the kingdom where she is under a veil for her, um, a veil of purity for her whole life. It's a white costume if you will nobody can talk to her nobody can look upon her she um basically is very shielded and very innocent and you find out very quickly that she has a very curious mind and um, you find out that she's been trained a little bit to sort of fight and hold her own and the reason being is because when she was younger her parents were killed by this creature and this creature is called a craven and it's basically like I don't know I kind of picture it like a little bit of a werewolf kind of thing but it has fangs on its top and it's bottom teeth and the fangs will like get you and they'll like eat you up. Um, but they're like crazy. I can't. I don't know. I've read four of these books. I don't know if they want blood or what they want. And maybe maybe I missed that part. But they they they're they're ready to kill and they're kind of already dead. And basically so her she was attacked by a craven um in her younger years and i say younger years she was like a, an infant baby child not an infant or baby she was a child just to be clear on one thing in this whole podcast she was a child she was not an infant she remembers it well she remembers parts of it but all that to say um so she scratched on the face and scratched on like her her thigh and her other parts of her body and so she's been like mauled essentially and they set it up in the book Jennifer sets it up um Jennifer my friend the writer she's not my friend I don't know her uh, I don't know why I said that um but she's attacked by this craven and it sort of it, it it's like the juxtaposition between her being very beautiful and but having this like scar that everyone looks upon she's very self-conscious about it and she also wears this veil um and so essentially she goes out for sneaks out of the castle, you know, sneaks out of the house for a night of fun, runs into um, goes to this. I don't know. They made it sound like it was like a club, but it's like people are playing. She's playing poker. She has like a wolven dagger on her thigh. So she's like definitely not the innocent um, girl that you know people think she is as the maiden but I will say this she's very meek she does not speak up she keeps her opinions to herself and she has to out of survival she's not able to do this she's abused if she speaks up or does anything wrong or even doesn't do anything wrong but this you know horrific duke dude uh essentially like abuses the shit out of her and so um, she sneaks out to live. You know, her kind of thing is like, I want to live before I basically can't live and I'm given to the gods. She's there. Uh, she runs into one of her guards. She sees him from afar. She doesn't run into him. But she sees him and basically she's like, oh my God, I have to hide. And this woman appears out of nowhere. And she's like, go upstairs. The third room on the left. It's not the third room. I can't remember what room. But go upstairs. The third room on the left is uh, vacant. And so she runs upstairs and runs straight into the arms of none other than Hawk, a guard from the Capitol who is in town for nobody knows why. 
dun 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 okay um I feel like I've just spent like 10 minutes talking about that's just the first chapter so I'm gonna speed on through the rest essentially what happens is she has kind of like a kiss with this dude and then I think he sucks on her boob a little bit which I don't know I kind of liked it but I feel like she was very confused and I think Actually, I think she kind of liked it, too. He has to leave um, in the middle of their interaction. And she essentially uh, goes back to the castle, decides not to wait for him. He asks her to wait. She doesn't. He goes back. She goes back to the castle. And then fast forward, I don't know, like 300 pages. Uh, a lot of that is sort of the backstory about what's going on with her and then her, you know, like inner battle. Do I want to, you know, should I have gone back? Should I have not have gone back? But I don't think she speaks a single word to anyone in this entire book besides Tawny, who's her like lady in wait, if you will. She's her assigned best friend and basically like her minder. And so she basically doesn't say anything but has a lot of internal conversation with herself and then she's got this guard victor who gave her the dagger and taught her how to fight her you know fight off people he taught her how to defend herself should so she would never be in a vulnerable situation like she was with the craven um and so she's out outside for a walk uh one night and her guard is attacked and there is this sort of looming dark character that they call the dark one and it's apparently his name's castile denier and he's like the prince of this fallen kingdom called atlantia or atlantia i like calling it atlantia so i'm gonna call it that um and so apparently this kingdom has fallen and you know they're like scattered to the wind uh, but this guy's out there like prowling to come and get her and the atlanteans are known for being like the villains of the story uh they i think there's a saying that says where one atlantean lives so do the craven so uh you know as the reader we uh believe that the Atlanteans are tied to the Craven, the evil aspects of the story. And the Atlanteans are known for having two fangs on the top uh, of their mouth. So they're kind of like, I don't know, I picture them like vampires. It's kind of, I feel like it's kind of attractive. I don't really want to dig any deeper into why I feel that way. But, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a little, a little evil, a little evil hot on that matrix of like chaotic good, chaotic, I can't remember, there's a matrix that has all of these different spots, lawful good, lawful evil. This is like chaotic sexy. All that to say there's an attack that happens and her other guard is killed and so there's an opening for her guard and all of a sudden it turns out Hawk, hottie from hottie from the, the nipple suck, is um, going to be her new guard. And so now she's in one of my favorite tropes of all time forced proximity which is when you're forced to be in the same space as somebody for whatever reason so she's in forced proximity with hawk um and they start to form a little bit of a relationship he starts to ask her a lot of questions he cares about her opinion he's she feels like she's kind of like suddenly being seen for the first time um and because of all of that she uh starts to fall for him a little bit and she doesn't know because she was wearing the veil she doesn't know that he knows that she is the girl from that first night she thinks that she's hidden it from him he thinks well we don't know what he thinks because this is a first person story out of poppy's perspective um 
But we come to find out he knows who she is. He knew immediately. He's got to think for her. She's got to think for him. She starts to think like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I going to basically go and give my life up to the gods when there I could have so much more with this other fella? And he hasn't really like expressed interest in like running away with her, but he definitely has been fueling this romance, if you will. So basically, he becomes her personal guard. They have forced proximity and she starts to open up a lot. She starts to grow a little bit as a character, which is, this is where I really start to like her. She asks a lot of questions. I've heard some criticism from some of the reader community of this book. Kind of got annoyed with the the way that the writer wrote Poppy's character and having such curiosity, but I think it's so core to who she is as a, as a character. And she asks all these questions because she's so sheltered. She knows nothing. And only what she's been told by the priestesses and the duke of this castle that she's been sort of like kidnapped in. So there's this thing called the right and all of the, I don't know. I I don't know who's given to the right. There are people who are given to this right. And she is finally allowed to go right before her, you know, she's her ascension, if you will. Uh, And we don't really know what an ascension is. We think it makes you immortal or something close to it. So she is finally able to go. She's finally able to go, I think, without her like veil on. So nobody would know who she was anyways. Um, And Hawk is going to escort her there. So Hawk escorts her to the party. Uh, They decide to go on a walk outside under a willow tree. And they start to get a little intimate. And by intimate, this is a slow burn. I mean, I think they just make out. She like climbs on his lap. They exchange some very passionate uh, conversation. And then a few little, little smooches under there. And then... Um, I feel like in this moment, though, it really stood out to me and I kind of like fell in love with Hawk a little bit in this because he, you know, like I think he really took his duties seriously, um, but he also you could tell he was kind of falling in love with her, too. And then they go to go back inside because they were going to go too far and then they decided not to or maybe. Yeah, I don't think they went that far. Anyhow. And then they go inside and then all of a sudden, like the bank exploded, like Shit hit the absolute fan at this moment. She basically runs into her other guard, Victor. And Victor is like, what the hell have y'all been doing out here? I know a kissed and sucked on face when I've seen it. And y'all both got him. You need to leave each other alone. And Poppy. Oh, I don't think I ever told you. Her nickname is Poppy. But she only allows people who she really likes to call her Poppy. So at this point, Hawk is calling her Poppy. Victor calls her Poppy. And Victor's like, you have been, you've been falling in love with this dude. And I have... Too. Well, he never said that, but I think everyone kind of fall in love with him. He's a real hot. So anyways, they fall in love with him. Well, Poppy's like falling in love with him. And at this point in her mind, I think she decides like, I'm not going to go through with the ascension. I there's too much life out there for me to live. How do I convince this dude or how can we like go and have a life together and like run away together? And I think in her mind, she's like resolved to um, to ask him to leave with her. They go inside and there's an attack by these people called the dissenters and they're known as the supporters of Castile Denier, the dark one. They are the baddies and all that stuff. So you're like, oh no, they're killing everyone that we love. And so they killed like a bunch of, I don't know, I guess we really didn't like that many people. So then the duke of this castle who's been abusing Poppy falls from behind like the dais or like the 
top, the stage area, and he's got a, the whip that he whipped Poppy with through his chest. It's been impaled by it. And because of that, you start to go like, hmm, maybe did Hawk kill him? Because Hawk was getting real interested when he was assuming and like figuring out that maybe she was being abused by the Duke. Then Victor dies. Oh my God, I know, I just dropped that bomb. But honestly, Victor dies. And he says to her at the end, I, I'm sorry I didn't protect you. And she's like, what do you mean? You protected me, you know, my whole life. And I feel really bad that we just got into this massive fight and I yelled at you and now you're dead. And then I, I forget what happens a little bit after that. So because of the attack on the right, they're basically on the way to go back to the capital. And because they, the queen is like, I want her out of there because it's a baddie situation up at that castle. So let me get her out of here. So Hawk is to escort her to back to Carcedonia, which I think is the castle. Um, they're in Macedonia. So I think, yeah, which again, not to be confused with the actual place of Macedonia in our world. This is in a different world. So don't worry about the craven here. Although sometimes when my dog doesn't want to run inside at night, I'll tell her that there's a craven out there and then it works. I don't know why it works. Okay. She's on the road with Hawk and some other characters and um, she's super spooked. She cannot sleep in the blood forest because of all the craven. She's so nervous. And then Hawk says to her basically like, oh, I know how to calm you down. And it's how everyone gets calmed down with an orgasm. One of the things I absolutely love that starts around this time in the book is Hawk's banter. It's why Castile is my number one book boyfriend. He just has a way with words that gives you like the full body shivers. And it could be anything from like the most lovely compliment to like the dirtiest thing whispered in bed. So Hawk's helping her out on the floor of the blood forest. You know, it's just a little hand stuff. So nothing too, nothing too R-rated at this point in time. But he says to her, which I think this just brings it up like a whole nother level. The, the shit that he's saying to her in this moment is some of the best spice that I've read in a book in a long time. And I'm, I'm like, a, I, I like, I like a good, a good banter, obviously, like I just said. But I'm going to read uh, a sentence. And I realize um, I'm reading from the book a lot, so that might be a thing. Who knows? But he says to her, Poppy, I bet you're as sweet as honeydew. This starts the beginning of an inside joke between them that I would say something I thought would not be hot at all. A kitchen fruit. Who thought that that would be hot? Also, I know people who don't even like honeydew. As a, as a concept, it's not like, oh, strawberries. Everyone likes strawberries. Actually, I think there's a bunch of people who are allergic to strawberries, so... I'm sorry um, to you. She basically starts to say to herself like, oh my God, I have not lived. Uh, and then they end up at this, I think it's New Haven is the city that they're in. They end up at this castle overnight. And while they're there, one of the guards is basically like, oh my God, I think that this is like a bad situation that we're in. And just bear with me here. I think this is a super bad situation that we're in. So uh, let's escape. And while they're escaping, there's like a big like sword fight between everyone. And then you find out in this because they try and kill Poppy. They try and kill her. And you find out that not only is Hawk. Dang it. I forgot a big part. It's the biggest part. And I think I, I think I know why I forgot it. And I'll tell you now. I forgot it because it made me so mad. This is the thing that made me so mad. This is the betrayal 
this is the this is the one moment of this book where I almost did not pick up the rest of the series. I was so pissed. So they get to this castle. They're spending the night. They're resting. And Poppy and Hawk start making out. And basically, they sleep together. He takes her virginity. It's incredible. Meaning, he is so wonderful with her. He treats her so well. He listens to her. He cares for her. He's everything you could ever want in someone, honestly, who's going to take your virginity like the most tender and ginger approach and then you know it's good it's spicy but it was it was kind of like heart-wrenching in a good way and the very next morning she wakes up he's gone and then all of a sudden a, a, a fight ensues and one of the guards thinks that there are dissenters among them after poppy is almost killed it turns out that we are we find out it's unveiled to us i already knew this because of my googling but it's unveiled to us that the dark one is among them and it is in fact hawk it is castile denier he is there they are one and the same and poppy is so mad that she straight up stabs him in the chest she realized that he's at lanchon she all of a sudden sees his fangs and she's like no wonder that when he was kissing me I felt like his mouth was kind of sharp she stabs him in the heart she tries to kill him and then she runs out of the room he runs after her he finds her in the woods he bites her neck which you think like you're I was when I picked this up I was like oh vampires and werewolves like this is totally gonna be like Twilight I'm not interested in it or even like true blood and I feel like I was a little interested in true blood um but this definitely feels like you're like, oh, my God, I I'm, I'm, cannot be turned on by this like bloody bite. Oh, I was so I was so wrong. It is it was it was so hot. And basically, I feel like the, in this moment, I'm like, OK, so they sleep together. She finds out that he's Castile. She stabs him and tries to kill him. He doesn't die. And then she runs out into the woods. He follows her. He bites her. And then all of a sudden when he bites her, guess what? This is a very interesting twist. Whenever you get bitten by an Atlantian, you become very, very horny. And because of that, you want to be doing it with him. So she gets bit by him. And then she's like, OK, but I'm going to I'm we're doing this again. And this time Castile is not holding back. This is not a hey, let's take it slow. This is your first time. This is like hungrily ripping at the seams it's lust filled it had me wishing that i was poppy not the first time and certainly not the last time and then even crazier he's like yeah my intention was to kidnap you but now i'm gonna marry you and then the book ends he literally explains to her i'm pretty sure he explains to her that his whole plan was to kidnap her to use her as a bargaining chip with the queen of solace so that he can get his brother back because apparently he was held captive. Not apparently. He was held captive for many, many years, like 50 years or something. And then his brother is now held captive instead in his stead, in his place. I don't know if that's what that means, but I think it, it should. Um, and then his brother is there. So he's going to use Poppy as a bargaining chip. So the whole time he was pretending to be Hawk, the whole time he was getting with her under the willow. He was getting with her on the floor of the blood forest. He was getting with her in the New Haven castle. He had ulterior motives. 
at some point in time, you think like, oh, he had to have fallen in love with her. Absolutely not. He turns into the stark difference of who he was as Hawk, as Castile. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde, Gemini situation. I would know. I'm a Gemini. He basically betrays her and betrays me. I feel betrayed because I was in love with him. I feel like I lost my virginity to him. And then he kind of just says, but you know what? I was going to kidnap you. I was going to use you as a bargaining chip. But you know what? Now I'm going to marry you because I think that that's even a better bargaining chip. And the book ends. The, la- the last page of this book, I'm going to just flip on to it. The last page of this book, the last sentence, that damn dimple appeared in his right cheek. The dimple's a thing. That damn dimple appeared in his right cheek and then in his left, which means it was a true smile. That's not in the book. That's me whispering to you. Castile Denier, the Prince of Atlantia, smiled fully as he lifted our joined hands and said, we go home to marry my princess. That was me slamming the book shut. I was so mad when I ended this book because you think to yourself, you're like, oh, he's going, you know, he's he changed his mind. Maybe he had bad motives at the beginning, morally gray character, right? And then all of a sudden, he has changed his mind. He's fallen in love with her. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think what got me the most is that he slept with her without her knowing who he was. And that is such a betrayal to me. And it's something that I don't think I could ever get over. I don't know if Poppy ever gets over it. We'll have to talk about that in the next book. But it also seemed like he was a completely different person. And this hawk fella that you fell in love with uh, didn't seem to exist anymore. So not only do you think you're in sort of a safer situation with someone who, you know, you're going to spend, you're going to run away with, you're going to be with them. Nope, not only that. Now that you finally have a choice or you think you have a choice, I'm going to pluck that away so quickly. That's the story. I'm sure I missed a ton. Some of my favorite lines of this book in particular are, I think he's just, Hawk is obsessed with how, I'm going to call him Hawk in this book. He's Castile. Castile is just obsessed with how murderous Poppy is, especially when she stabs him in the chest. So he says things like, what a stunning murderous little creature. And those things just kind of like, I don't know I'm just gonna say it they get the juices flowing right you want like someone who's attracted to all of these like little facets and sharp sticks of your personality and he really seems I mean prior to the unveiling of his intentions he seems like he's someone who who really accepts her fully and found her beautiful I think at one point in time he said no side of her face was more beautiful than the other and he really I mean he truly emulated this like love for who she is And he thinks she's beautiful in all of, you know, all of her forms and facets and her curiosity, um, all of those things. So that was one of the things I loved about Poppy, hated about Castile in the end, was that, you know, he seemed to like kind of bring the house down. And I was pissed. I threw this book. I threw it. I had all the other books on the shelf and I was like great I've spent like a hundred dollars on this series I'm not going to read any of the other ones because how dare this book end this way I want to end the podcast by saying what I would do would I reread it would I recommend it would I return it um I would definitely after finishing this I wouldn't reread it um I would recommend it but I would only recommend it 
because I've read the rest of the series and I think it's worth it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone else who maybe has just read this one. I would say it's worth continuing. Uh, I wouldn't return it. But in the moment, I would say I wouldn't reread it, wouldn't recommend it. The only reason I continued on to book two is because I had it. And I'm really grateful that I did. So if you're maybe someone who likes to listen to stuff about a book before you ever read it, uh, buy books one and two. Anyone I've recommended this to after I read it, I told them buy books one and two at the same time because if not, you're going to be driving to Barnes & Noble or a bookstore uh, in the middle of the night or going on good old Amazon. Um, Again, if any of you want to sponsor me, you can't because I really just want to be sponsored by Outback Steakhouse. No rules, just right. Okay, now I'm curious. I want to know from other folks who read this, not if I got this summary accurate because I know I didn't. I know I missed, I'm sure, large, large plot points as I retold the story. These are just the moments that kind of stuck with me. But I'm curious, what are the things that stuck out to other people? I'm also curious, for those of you who haven't read the book, what do you think about Poppy? What do you think about Castile? Are you allergic to strawberries? These are the things I want to know. Head on over to my TikTok, which is at Kayla and PDX, or my Instagram, What's Her Fantasy Podcast, and uh, join in the conversation there. I'd love to hear what your thoughts were on Poppy, on Castile, the ending of this book, uh, and what you thought about that scene on the floor of the Blood Forest. Mm-hmm.